0: it's learning it's education it's learning about education what am i talking about i don't know we'll find out on the learning geeks podcast coming up now wait a second learning geeks i thought we were the learning nerds guys what happened
1: nerds geeks uh, they're all kind of in the same bucket aren't they
2: We we originally liked geeks at first so we just went with it that's fine yeah
0: exactly no Jake I think you should tell the real story
2: yeah so the real story was that someone contacted us uh, apparently it's weird because at the same time we were <laughs> both working on the learning nerds podcast and um you know the group that was working on the learning nerds they did a lot more marketing than we did so we thought you know what stick with you guys stick with learning nerds we'll stick with learning geeks they're pretty similar but you know that's how it goes we're fine with it. we will-
0: yeah, we we wanted love in the learning community, right? Like, we didn't want to be divisive, like people who love The Last Jedi and hate The Last Jedi.
1: <laughs> I they knew Star Wars was going to like gonna come in here somehow.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But actually, if we have time at the end, I do have a really good Star Wars and learning connection, but I'm going to save that to the end if we have time. Otherwise, we'll get to it later. But uh, anyway, yeah, so maybe sometime we will have the learning nerds on our show. Uh, they seem like lovely people. And meanwhile, we're the Learning Geeks, and we're happy with it. So we're going to embrace it, and that's great. If you're here for the first time, welcome to the Learning Geeks broadcast. I'm Bob Gerard. I've got Data Koch and Jake Gittleson with me here. And we are three learning professionals, and we love talking about learning things and geeking out over them. So welcome. And if you've been here before, we're glad to have you back. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and dive in. Let's go ahead and dive in. Let's do Sounds it. Sounds good. Yep. Okay, so I'm going to start. And what I wanted to talk about was something interesting that I've noticed about me learning. This is going to get meta on so many levels. So just prepare yourself. But I was thinking about how I've been learning about podcasting and how that connects to what we have learned about learning and what I know about learning as a learning professional. And like I said, it's getting very very complicated and we haven't even talked about education yet. So um, let me just share a little bit, some of my observations that I've had about me learning podcasting, and then you guys chime in and, you know, and, and see what connections you make from some of the research we've done and what we know about learning and all that kind of stuff. So there were, there were three big points that I've realized is one is just the notion of learning by doing which i think we all, we all know we always know i've always said it learning by doing is the best way to do it but it's not just learning by doing it's learning by doing for a purpose right so i love as a learning professional to design courses or learning experiences where you have hands-on activities you're actually doing the types of things that you're trying to learn but i think it's even more powerful if you're doing it for a purpose that has a real business purpose at the end so in my case for learning podcasting it wasn't just this podcast which is part of it right so so developing this podcast is part of my journey and learning how to be a podcaster but we also created a project at work of a series of podcasts and jake has been helping us out with production of these that help people learn some key content that we need them to learn here at Accenture. So by the fact that I needed to do something and I needed to do it for business, it's really, really motivated me and helped me be a better learner. Um, So that was point one. Point two is all about getting feedback, which again, it's like, I know as a professional that getting feedback in the moment is something really, really important to help you learn but quite often, when I am learning stuff on my own, and in general, I, I, I don't necessarily love getting feedback, right? I, true confessions. Um, I'm not one of those people who is like super, super hungry for feedback because I'm afraid that you're going to tell me something that I don't like to hear and my feelings are going to get hurt. Sorry, it's just true. Um, but with this, I've really embraced feedback and I've sought out feedback. And even one of the, the projects that we worked on, one of these other podcasts for work, got a lot of feedback right off the bat that it was great, really, really powerful. And then I got feedback from somebody that said, hey, you know what? It's, it is great, but it could be even better if you did this. And I jumped on that feedback. I embraced it. I went back and I fixed it, and I learned from that. And that was a really powerful experience for me. Uh The third thing to talk about here is where you actually learn stuff and how I like to learn through stories and storytelling. So instead of going out, well, actually, that's how I started. I started by going out and trying to find websites and stuff like that with all this how-to podcast. The resource that I was pointed to that I like the best is a book called Out on a Wire, and this is actually, it's a comic book. Uh, it, it's a graphic novel that a woman who is researching how to do podcasting created, and it's all story driven. And I just found it compelling to sit down and read and hear the stories of what success looks like and what it doesn't look like in order to learn from that. So those were three of the key components that have been coming up for me. And I've realized that. I have enjoyed this process of learning how to podcast probably more than I've enjoyed learning a topic or a thing more, and I I see my growth even more. So that's my story, and I would love to get your guys' reactions to that.
1: Yeah, I'll start off uh, with a couple of ideas. Um, First of all, I think Bobby, you know, you said, "What do we know about learning?" and the the story that you just told. There's a couple of things that just jumped out. One is solving real problems when you are trying to solve real problems or you are put into a situation where you have a tight deadline or, you know, th- there are circumstances, uh, maybe it's a higher risk circumstance. You-, you tend to you tend to learn and often enjoy that because there's a greater amount of satisfaction at the end. Plus, you tend to focus because it's important, right? In, in this case, it was important to solve the problem of, of creating a podcast Um, So the whole idea of whenever we can bring a realistic context and a relevant context to a learning situation, um, those Mm -hmm. things are going to be critical to helping people, helping people learn. And that's uh, that's one thing. The second thing is. And I've been on this journey with you during, you know, for our last couple of podcasts. We're also we're learning by experimentation and in some cases by failure. I mean, just a couple of things, uh, you know, the first first one we recorded, the audio tracks were off because we're all in different places. Right. And then you had to go and spend time remixing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also like today, uh, you know, you we learned some things about your microphone and people might notice that that your mic is a little different than Jake's. Which is why. Right. Right. Which is why I sound like I'm in a tin can exactly, right now. <laughs> exactly. But you know what? We go with it, right? I mean we say, yeah, you know, it's not perfect, yeah. but we're gonna go with it. And I think sometimes we try to we try to be in the perfect learning situation. And that's just never gonna happen. So anyway, those are a couple of things that you solving right. real problems and learning by failure.
2: So we hope we yeah. hope that you know that everybody else comes along with us as we test and, and doesn't fall off. Right. That's, a, that's kind of our hope. So I, I guess Bob, like the question that I would ask and this is always my key whenever I think of learning in general is is relevancy. So for for podcasting in general mm-hmm. you said it's you know learning with purpose. What what was the what's like your what drives you? What's that relevancy that that really uh, drives that purpose that you're looking for with podcasting?
0: Well, for me, first off, there's probably a couple of things. Is one off, I was always interested in radio. I almost went into radio as a profession. Uh, when I was back in college, I was making that decision. So I've always been interested in it. That so, so I just have a natural interest. That's part one. Number two is I firmly believe, especially with the rise of podcasting or you know the resurrection of podcasting that we've seen over the last several months, that podcasting is a channel for learning is. It's huge opportunity, right? It's, it's a great tool to have in our toolbox. And I'm very invested in seeing it work. Uh, and so that, you know, kind of both of those things for me of a personal interest plus just something that's really aligned with what I'm about in terms of my personal mission is giving me that relevancy and that motivation.
1: I was going to say, I was a broadcast journalism major for a while. I was the, the mouth of the north. At the University of Wisconsin Eau Claire, Wisconsin's <laughs> most beautiful campus.
2: Well, I was, I was just going to say that, Dana, you have broadcasting experience. Bob does. And I was the Jig G show on 88.3 The Dog. <laughs> <laughs> and here
1: we are podcasting oh, well, I together. I told you, yeah. uh, That's right.
0: I, I don't know if I ever told you guys, but I came in fourth place in 1985 in the Illinois uh, Forensics Radio Speaking Competition. <laughs> so, and that was with WRSG Morning News, Sports, and Weather, well, brought to you by Mr. Mike. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it's great. You know, there, there was one other quick story about relevancy, and I, I'm just gonna give a little pr- uh, preview of this, because hopefully we'll get my friend Chad onto our show at some point. But uh, he was working at Lucasfilm, it all comes back to Star Wars. I'm sorry. But uh, he was working at Lucasfilm, and he decided he wanted to learn 3D modeling. So he went to his boss, and it's like, hey, give me a job that needs to be done that I can learn 3D modeling on. And his boss said, why don't you go make a model of R2-D2? And long story short, it wound up being the foundation of the model that they used when they had R2D2 appear in Star Wars episode 2 and episode 3 as a computer generated model. So, you know, you talk about something where it's just like I want to do something to learn and then what you create actually has huge impact, super motivating, which encouraged them to learn more and more and get better and better at it.
1: Great story.
2: Did he also draw R2D2 flying cuz that was the new thing? Was that him? <laughs> yeah. He talks about
1: that. No, the guy, the
0: guy after him, the guy who took his model and used it had to then incorporate the rocket jets on. So yeah. (laughs) So there's a little bit of part in there, but like I said, we'll, we'll have Tad on and we'll have him tell the whole story.
2: So I kind of want to, so with my segment, I know Dana's going to go next, but um, with my segment, I really want to kind of, I I see a lot of overarching themes uh, with the two of you, you know, what Dana's going to bring up too. And um you know, we're fortunate enough just to have Robert Poole, who's the co-author of the book Peak, um, present to us this morning. And one of the things in, in, with Robert, with Peaks, the book Peaks about deliberate practice, and one of the things that you're, a couple of things that you're mentioning is, is learning with feedback, which is critical, right? Mm-hmm. It's, is that, you know, there is some type of teacher out there, someone that kid is maybe more of an expert in, po- <clears throat> excuse me, more of an ex- expert in podcasting. Listen to a lot of podcasting. They know what it what a good podcast sounds like, so they're giving you feedback. Plus, they're also a user, right? And that that in general is just it's key as as well as their purpose. That's actually one of the top ones uh, practicing with purpose. So clearly, you're showing the signs of deliberate practice and, and doing a lot of what they talk about specifically in the book. What Robert's talking today, um, yeah, it's it's just not going learning through the motions. Really, just just doing it and practicing as much as you can. You're Purposely trying to get that feedback, figure out how I can make incremental steps to go forward, um, and that's what's interesting. So I think, to me, I just see so much similarities to, to what I was going to mention anyway about deliberate practice. On.
0: Cool. So do you want to keep going, or do we throw it to, or uh, do we throw it to Dana? Let's,
2: let's throw it to Dana because I see, like I said, I see my my stuff kind of coming in as we uh, we all talk.
1: So I got wondering if Elton John is going to have to re-record Rocket Man to be Rocket Droid. But I'm bummed. Never mind. We, we Never don't have mind. the dum-dum-chuh.
2: All like that. Like, all
1: right. All right my turn. Uh, wait. Wait a second. There we go. <laughs> we do. <Come> on. <laughs> all right. My turn. <clears throat> so several years ago, I learned a really important lesson. It was in my first job in training. And the lesson was taught by a guy whose name is George Taylor, who's a friend of mine. He was a work colleague. And he happened to be working on his Ph.D. in education. So he was giving a presentation about what he was learning uh, as he's preparing for his Ph.D. in his dissertation. And part of that is he had researched the word education. And he learned that the word education comes from um, a couple. There's actually a couple of different Latin roots. They're very similar in their spelling, um, but the difference is very significant. So one is spelled E-D-U-C-A-R-E educare and the other one is educere or educare and um the here's the difference and again it's a significant difference Um, educere educare is to draw out that which lies within so it's kind of an internal thing whereas educare is to pour in or you know think about the external forces so you've got the comparison of drawing out of someone or pouring into someone so what i'm wondering what does that conjure up in your minds what is it what is the idea of pouring content into someone what does that look like to you
0: to me that looks like what you traditionally think of as stand-up training Uh, this, you know, to use all the cliches that we talk about, like yeah. the sage on the stage, right. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's really oriented to, like teaching towards the test. Yeah. It's oriented towards what the instructor thinks is most important. And, you know, in, in some cases, uh, the instructor trying to clone little versions of themselves for whatever reason.
1: Yeah. So when I think of it, um, I think I like that, Bob. When I think of it, I think about, um, you know, consider that that a a subject matter expert comes in and they have a bucket full of knowledge, right? They've got this big Mm -hmm. bucket and they're so excited to share this bucket a student might come in and they might only have a thimble to collect that knowledge. Right. So, <laughs> so what ends up happening is as, as the knowledge is being poured into the thimble, a whole bunch of it's going onto the floor. It's, and a it's flood. Right. It's echoing down the, yeah. the, the empty corridors and it, it just, it ends up being a mess and it, it, it's a lot of telling. Um, and, and it means sometimes like to your point, teaching to the curriculum, regardless of the, the learner's, position to learn or whatever their, their circumstances. So it's just a traditional, it's just a traditional
2: model. Like uh, that's uh, my, my, my vision is the centralized approach where someone is standing in front of you in some way and just Mm. talking or telling knowledge, right? We're not actually developing any skills. We're just being thrown knowledge at us directly.
1: So, so Jake, yeah. Jake, what about you? What What do you think the drawing out, uh, you know, drawing out, what does, what does that feel like to you? What does it look like from your perspective?
2: So I, I think a lot of ment- mental, a lot of images kind of pop in my mind, but when I think of drawing out, I really believe in, um, it means more about making sense of it all, right? Mm-hmm. You can have inputs, I think of today, right? We can have inputs all over the place, whether or not we're getting it through, you know, a social channel, like a social media channel, whether we're, we're reading about it, whether we're hearing about it in the conversation, right? There's so many channels to to gather that knowledge. And what I, I envision is is actually drawing out, making sense of it, making those connections. and um, And again, making sense of it. So that's the part, that's probably the part of the process, which I envision is just seeing the mess in within your head and then clearing it up a bit and then hopefully it's less of a mess and um it's starting to become more clear
1: yeah i mean it means engaging a person at a deeper level than than the other one right it it's it's not giving all of the answers instead it's providing thoughtful questions allowing people to kind of discover for themselves through thought and reflection um you know the learners then become the ones you know, with, they discover that they have a bucket, right? Going back to my other analogy and, mm-hmm. and, and they're actually filling it themselves, which is, I think a really, a, a really cool thing.
0: And I was thinking, you know, it, it's easy when you hear things like this to try to figure out which is the right one, right? Mm-hmm. And the answer of course is it's both and it depends. Yeah. So, whereas when I was just describing my reaction to the idea of educare, it was kind of negative. But there's definitely a place for that, right? And, you know, there are times when what makes the most sense is to kind of sit at the feet of the master and hear the knowledge and hear the wisdom. What I think is great about where we are right now with the technology that we have is that you can have that effective blend. So I'm thinking about like Khan Academy, right, Mm -hmm. where each individual in each individual video in a Khan Academy lesson plan is educare happening, um, right? Because it's it's pouring out. And I'm, I, I never took Latin, so my Latin's completely wrong. But it's the educare side of it. But because I can pause the educare whenever I want to as the learner and go back and reflect yeah. and engage in the educare stuff, then that lets me optimize the learning environment for myself. And I can use both. And I think that's an optimal way to learn. And I think that's really
2: why, uh, sorry, Dan, I was going to say, that's why I think sometimes MOOCs or something like Khan Academy often always have the fail rate, which they do, because it depends a lot on the actual learner themselves to draw that out, right? Unless they're doing it with some type of support structure, whether or not it's a teacher. uh, You know, sometimes they use that within the classroom. They do use Khan Academy. But in your case, I mean, you're just doing it on your own. Um, And that's their model. Do it. Give them the opportunity to to draw out. But again, there's so much reliance on the actual learner to do that. So,
1: Bob, let's go back to your example of learning to podcast. Which was that? Was that a Mm -hmm. drawing out or pouring in?
0: Well, it was both. Right. So when I talked about reading that book out on a wire, that was a total pouring in. I, I mean, I just sat there and kind of inhaled that book. So that was me getting all of that content. You know, one of the other things I did, and this relates to Jake's um, comment about knowing what good looks like is I started listening to a lot more podcasts Mm. and especially one because the the feedback that I got was essentially around my interviewing skills. Uh, I, I sought out what I heard was a really, really good interviewer. And I just started listening to his podcasts and I observed what I could from that. So that was, you know, me going out and the educare happening in, and it was kind of that blend. But where the the real educare happened is just in me doing it yeah. and just saying, you know, I'm not going to just sit and think about it anymore. Let's grab a Zencaster license. Let's call Dana and Jake and say, let's finally do this podcast right. <laughs> and actually make it happen, right?
1: Yeah, because we've been talking about it for years, right? <laughs> so, so. Yeah, yeah yeah, well, no, I, I think that's good. I, I really like this discussion because I one of the conclusions I've come to, as I you know have reflected on George's comments over the years is that it really is a balance between the two. And yeah. as people who are doing learning design, you know we could we can swing the pendulum too far either way um, right. right because if if everything is experiential, if everything is drawing out, um, th- there may be nothing there for pe- to draw out, right? I mean, sometimes you need to know that one plus one is two in order to yeah. advance to the next stage, and someone needs right. to explain that to you. Um, but there are there are certain things. So you know, some of the um, differences between the two, right? Pouring in, we think of it as lecture and telling, and and it's easier to design, right? It's it's often more passive. It's giving answers. It's uh, structured. It's teaching the curriculum. Sometimes mm-hmm. it is the, you know, the teacher has all knowledge and sometimes the teacher does have all knowledge. The drawing out is more around asking and probing or uh, being active, it's more difficult to design, it's more collaborative than individual. Um, it's, probably, it's often less structured and, and sometimes designing to ambiguity is, uh, is a challenge for people who are uh, type A personalities and want everything tucked and tied. Um, and it, it's also, you know, more of teaching to the learner rather than teaching to the curriculum. So, I mean, there there are differences, but I think the the challenge in the end is to come up with with the right blend between the two, and have the pendulum positioned in the right way.
2: Yeah. So, I also think it's just, you know, from the traditional sense, it's very easy to to uh, pour out or or pour in, I should say. But basically, I was thinking pour out from a facilitator standpoint it's very easy to just have that knowledge already prepped and just push it out. Right. It's super easy. It's easy to do it from a classroom side. It's easy to do it from a traditional e-learning side. You have the content, you have the quote unquote knowledge, you have your subject matter expert, put it on paper, bam, throw it out. It's easy, super easy. What's difficult is actually to, on the other side of how do I make sense of it all? And that relies, it's, from a designer standpoint, we can do a better job there as well as also help people figure out how to do it more effectively. I think that's that's kind of the area I think we're starting to be in more and more is that how do we support those individuals on how to actually draw out what they're hearing and doing and experiencing. Mm-hmm.
0: Make them better ed- years. Edu- I, I, <laughs> I have
2: purposely avoided using those terms because I know I'm going to butcher them.
1: <laughs> hey, I've, I've, I'm sure I've been butchering them too. I'm just relying on the fact uh, that 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 perhaps no one who really knows Latin is going to listen to the podcast. So that's true. That's and if true. so, if so, I'm sure we'll hear about it in the in the remarks. So. I am sure we the will. The bigger point is right. Well, regardless, right. of race, but there's, there's, there's a couple of different ways it, to me, it's interesting that the Latin root goes back to those two things, the pouring in and the drawing out or the external versus yeah. internal. Um, so anyway, that's, that's what I wanted to share today. I think there's some interesting ramifications of that. And I think, you know, anybody who's doing design of learning, uh, would be good to think about that. Are you pouring in? Are you drawing out? Are you balancing it appropriately between the two? Great. Okay. Jake, bring us
2: home. All right, so the it's so funny cuz now that I'm, I'm thinking about what I had kind of in my mind to share, a lot of it has been kind of discussed already, but you know, going back to what I said earlier through as we were prepping with this call with Robert Poole this morning, um I I decided to reread the book. And as I was doing that, I had a whole I had a totally different view on it from the first time I read it. I just don't know if it was in what place I was in when I read it. I think I was reading all these different learning science books. And when I got to that, I was kind of drained and I just wasn't really there. But one of the points that true, uh, stood out to me is there's a part in the book that says about being good enough versus being an expert. And to me personally, I, I love learning new things. I usually rush into something. I get all into it. But then eventually I get to this satisfaction point. I'm I, I don't necessarily... Care about making more changes, I kind of want to jump to the next thing um, and that's and again, the book is about deliberate practice for really learning what experts do right and there's only a few areas in my mind where I think I'm a quote unquote expert or at least someone that's trying to be more of an expert, and that's probably more learning science or learning science learning design all that. but again, I, I usually hit a point where I stop and what I wanted to bring up, I guess to you guys is just the fact of that that whole notion of about being good enough versus being an expert. When you wanna be an expert, you guys mentioned this already, you need some type of teacher. You need somebody that uh, can help you uncover those, what good looks like, right? What does a, a good mental representation look like of that specific thing that you're learning? Um, and often, at least with me, there's a lot of times where I don't have a teacher on hand to learn something. Uh, Perfect example is the many things I do in my house when I'm trying to work on a basement floor or fix this, fix that. I have, you know, YouTube's probably my best, my best place. But what I do to, to Bob to your point, I actually I watched I watch them, I see what good looks like, and then I go out and I try it. My feedback is actually, well, did I screw up some plumbing or is water leaking, something like that, or you know, along those lines, I can usually figure it out internally. But I think when I actually look at my area of expertise, which is learning, I have good teachers like you, like both of you really, right, to give me feedback as well as other people I work with, where I can constantly make those incremental uh, changes, get the feedback, as well as can constantly have goals. And as well as to take all of the stuff that I do like to learn, even though I'm not becoming an expert, take all that in and figure out how does that apply to what I actually like to do and what I'm trying to be an expert in. So that's, that's how I see it. Um, I, I know, so again, it's not nothing new to what we've already been talking about, but I just really was fascinated about the whole idea of mental representations, deliberate practice, and what can we do as an individual as well as helping our people be better at doing that, which I think is probably the next challenge that we need to work on.
1: One theme that's kind of emerged on this whole podcast today is the importance of feedback. Mm-hmm. And sometime we sometime we may want to spend a little more time on a podcast just talking about the about that, about feedback because it is a critical part. Sometimes it has to come from people. sometimes it can come from plumbing to your point, Jake, right?. Um, or uh, other dimensions. but And, and also, Bob, you, know, you mentioned your openness to feedback mm-hmm. or lack of openness sometimes to feedback. I, I think we may wanna spend some time on that topic at some point.
0: I do like that idea. I, I've been thinking lately that, first off, I, I really despise the word feedback. I think we need to find different language to talk about it because feedback has negative connotations. When people use it, it usually is, um, I'm gonna tell you how you screwed up, And I think that, you know, that is a creates an emotional barrier. Uh, So, yeah, we can talk about this. We can spend a whole show talking about this. The, The connection I was making, which is related, is just the notion of rejecting perfectionism. Right. And we've been talking lately about how progress is greater than perfection Uh, that's a challenging for me. You know, I I tend to be a perfectionist and I tend to not want to let anything get visible or get out in the open until I feel like it's perfect. And that doesn't create an environment where I can really learn and grow and get better from it. Uh, And it takes a lot of time and it's not a good thing.
2: Well, I think too, just sometimes the idea of failure is super scary, especially depending on what you're doing right?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, you're, yeah, you, you don't want, you don't want to experience failure when you're skydiving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Wow. Um, that's a, that's a dad joke right there. I can tell you been with your daughters <laughs> all week.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Learn from failure, but not when you're skydiving. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, there are certain fields that you don't want to have be, you know, fail. Um, but still, that is a, regardless of what field you're in, that's an area where it's hard to fail. It's super scary to do it sometimes. Um, And plus like Bob, to your point earlier, it was hard to actually get, you know, feedback that was more critical. Um, And and at the same time too, one of the things that's interesting about, uh, you know, going back to the, what I was uh, thinking about with mental representations is that you can get a good, you can get a good teacher and you can get a bad teacher. You can get someone that's going to give you feedback, but you know what? It can be crap. But you know what? You don't even know any better because you haven't got to that point where you know what good looks like. So you just have to watch out too, as, as well as us as designers. You know how we're providing feedback, how we give that, who's giving the feedback, and are we giving people the right images of what good looks like, um, and, and get them on that right path.
0: Yeah. So listen. So speaking of so speaking of feedback, some of the feedback that we've gotten has been. That our show's been running too long now i'm like hey i've listened to other podcasts they tend to run 45 minutes to an hour when they're in this format but maybe we could try to be a little more concise so here's my suggestion let's definitely put feedback on the docket for a future show we'll make that the topic but jake i know that there was one more new segment that you wanted to introduce and let's go ahead and get to that if you guys are cool with
2: that yeah let's get to it so i I, I try to find theme music for this. I thought that was pretty we'd be pretty funny. But the new segment is gonna be called Rest in Peace, or we're gonna to put to rest something within the learning world. Because frankly, it's time for whatever this will be. So this is gonna be our first running segment of this, and we decided that gamification was gonna be our first term we're gonna to put to rest. And uh um, Thank goodness. Yeah. So I mean <laughs> let me so my plan, guys, is I'm going to explain why. I'll give you mine, and then I want to hear from you which why you think so. So, here, here's here's at least from my point of view, and I want to first look at the definition on Wikipedia. Which again, it's Wikipedia, so we know it's a good start, but you know it's a good starting point. Gamification is the application of game design elements and game principles in non-game contexts. Sounds pretty good, but uh, there's actually more. Gamification commonly employs game design elements to improve user engagement, organizational productivity, flow, learning, crowdsourcing, employee recruitment, evaluation, ease of use, usefulness of systems, physical exercise, traffic violations, voter apathy, and more. (laughs) Basically, it's a super, super bloated term. And I know this is Wikipedia, so I look for another definition. I found one research study and they defined it as, quote, the use of game design elements in game mechanics in non-game contexts in order to engage people and solve problems. So this one was, you know, much better. But my point of all this um, and why I think gamification belongs on the list is that each and every time I talk with someone, they want gamification or they use gamification or whatever it is, it's always something different. Sometimes game elements are being used, but not to solve the actual problem they're facing. Um, and, and how I think of it, it's like it's like saying gamification is is a magic antidote that can always counteract the issue that you have. So for me, I love gaming elements. I love thinking intelligently about intelligently about when and how to use specific gaming elements if they may help the specific problem at hand. So it really comes down to learning durability for me. And, you know, if I can actually focus more on effortful, social, contextual, or practice elements, you know, just to name a few of those, that to me is the first step. Um, And maybe gaming elements can be applied to help you with that. You know, many games do. But, you know, just adding a leaderboard or adding a dashboard or a competitive element doesn't always equate to better learning. And and, and actually, in fact, it, uh, it may lead to be an intrinsic motivator but for the wrong reason. So mm-hmm. that's why I want to put the, the term to rest. It's a bulleted term. It means something different to everyone. And it's not the antidote to the poison. You just drank Dr. Jones. So I'll turn it over to you guys. And I don't know if you guys got that Indiana Jones reference. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, like it went over my head, Jake, no way. Um, so uh, you hit my, my key buttons there uh, completely. So, I'll summarize really quick. We're not talking about gaming for learning at all. So, creating games right, right. that are specifically designed to help people learn is super powerful and something that I believe we need to do more and more of. Exactly. But when we're talking about gamification, I'm thinking uh, leaderboards and badges. And what I see far too often is that what you are measuring, the, the activities that you are measuring that you award, Points or badges for are not actually the activities and behaviors that you're trying to get for a business purpose. And like you said, Jake, sometimes they're actually counter to what you're really trying to accomplish. So you have this illusion that you're getting success and your people are being successful when. They're either not learning anything or they're actually learning behaviors that are counter towards what you want them to do. And that's why we need to put this thing in the coffin.
2: Right, right.
1: Well, one thing that comes to mind is, uh, is you guys know, in, in, at the organization we work at internally, they run these health competitions, right? And they had one where virtually, <laughs> right, you know where I'm going with this one, right? Virtually yep. around the world, people could sign up and be parts of teams and you may never even meet your teammates or you could. But, um, but you know, several of us got together and said, hey, let's do a team. Let's go out and get our exercise and get steps and whatever. Well, it, you know, there's a couple of teams where like six people and they had like a, a, a million miles in like 10 days or something. I, I have no idea how they did that, but clearly they were gaming the system. And of course, there was a leaderboard and there were all these elements of gamification. But, uh, you know, when the next opportunity for that came up, we all just kind of like poof. Why should we do that? Because someone's strapping the 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 Fitbit on their dog's tail or something. I don't, <laughs> I, yeah. Put it in the dryer, got. the clothes dryer. It yeah. clothes dryer. Yeah. They, maybe that's what sort it of is. They basically but, you know. they
2: basically ran, you know, mar- multiple marathons in multiple days. That's how they won. But again, they they really just strapped a Fitbit on top of a drill and let it run all day. That's all he yeah. did. So
1: anyway, there, the, the, the gamification can imply that you are gaming the system, yeah. which is contrary to learning, right? I mean, you might be learning how to be clever, yeah, but you're not necessarily learning the things or or getting the benefit you're supposed to. Yeah. Get. So gamification, rest in peace. All right. So listen, here's what I realized: is yes, we're going to be
0: able to make this our shortest show yet. Um, I had this great idea afterwards. Let's do Jake. Let's do a one-minute Star Wars after show. (laughs) So we're going to end this show right now. We're going to uh, thank everybody for being here. Thank you for our our old listeners, the people who have given us feedback. Uh, We're glad that you guys are here and are enjoying this podcast. For people listening to us for the first time, welcome to the Learning Geeks community. We are glad you're here, and hopefully we can keep learning. Uh, Thanks, as always, to our patron Saint, Allison Horn. And thanks to you guys. Uh, This has been a really good conversation.
2: Yep. Thanks, guys.
1: Thanks much.